welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 20th of November 2011, entitled The Finality of Christ's Sacrifice. And the Bible reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 14. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to Hebrews, book of Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read the first 14 verses this morning, and we're going to continue uh, our theme. And uh, we're going to start in verse 1. Would you like to stand, please? For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the will, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Just have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the uh, reading of your word now. And we pray that you would help us, dear Lord, as we listen. Help us to take in, dear Lord, what you would want us to uh, to teach us this morning. And... um, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to be able to uh, bring God's Word uh, again this morning. And uh, this is going to be uh, the second part of a message about understanding Catholicism. Uh, I don't know if you remember, we, uh, we did another uh, a study um, a while back in the evening, on, on Sunday evening, and it was about final authority. And uh, the final authority we learnt was the Scriptures, the Bible. It's not tradition, it's the Bible. But this morning, we're going to have a look at the second part, not the final authority, but finality of Christ's sacrifice. And um, I want us really to really look at three verses this morning, and we're going to really hopefully nail this this, uh, subject with these three verses. Very important. And I don't know how anybody can read Hebrews chapters 9 and 10 and not see that the sacrificial system, the Judaism has come to a finish. We are under a new law now. We are under a new covenant. 
And um, let's just uh, take a look again at these three verses. Uh, The writer to the Hebrews says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And I want us, first of all, to see this morning the reason for the sacrifice. We see that in verse 10. And it says, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The reason for the sacrifice on Calvary is simply for the forgiveness of sins. Nothing complicated about that. That's why Christ went to the cross. And I want us to see two truths in this verse 10. The first one we read is about sanctification. Notice it says, by the which will we are sanctified. Now, sanctification, we did look at it a little, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, it might have been last week, but we saw that sanctification means to be set apart to a holy or religious use. It means to be made holy. Now, you may not feel very holy this morning coming into church. You may have had a bad week. You may have had a bad morning. But the Bible teaches us that that is our standing. We are sanctified in Christ. If, we're, if you're a Christian here this morning, your standing is that you are set apart for a holy use and you have been made holy in Christ. Um, does that mean that we are free from indwelling sin, like some of the modern versions may teach us, some of the, um, some of the, um, the, the titles above uh, some of the, the chapters in the book of Romans. Does it mean that we don't have any sin as Christians? You know, this is a, quite a, a popular teaching. We've been thinking about it this morning, and it breeds arrogancy and pride. Let me read you a verse from 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay? There's nothing plainer than that. So what does it mean, what we've just been reading here, where it says that we are sanctified, we've been made holy, we're set apart for God? Well, let's just have a look at three three verses uh, from three different books. The first one is Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. And I want us to see this morning, as we just look at these three verses, our standing before Jesus Christ, how we stand before him, how he sees us right now, if we are Christians. The first one we see in verse 1, there is therefore now no, what's the next word? Condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And the first standing we see here is that we are uncondemned. You may sin, but you're not going to be condemned for your sin because Jesus Christ was condemned for you. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you've put your faith and your trust in him to take your punishment. That's wonderful news this morning. Uncondemned. The second one we see, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. Paul says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Then he says in verse 11, And such were some of you. We could probably put our names to those, a few of those sins there, couldn't we? And such were some of ye, but, what does it say? Ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Not only, friend, are you uncondemned this morning if you are a Christian, but secondly, we read that we have been washed. We've been washed in the precious blood of the Lamb. We were looking at that last Sunday evening about the blood. How important it is. Wonderful. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. Not only do we see that we've been uncondemned and we're, we've been washed, but thirdly, in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 in, in our reading uh, this morning, and verse 14 says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them, that are sanctified. And if you're a Christian here this morning, friend, not only are you uncondemned, you are washed, but the Bible says, friends, that you have been made perfect. That's incredible, isn't it? You may not feel this morning very holy, but our standing before Christ, because of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we're uncondemned, we've been washed, and praise God that we've been perfected in him. Our sins have been forgiven. That's wonderful news this morning. Isn't that a reason to rejoice? You can't rejoice at that. There is nothing else in Christianity that you can, be, that you can rejoice in. It's all about Jesus and what he's done. So not only are we sanctified, but secondly, we see in this verse that it's through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Verse 10 by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And here is the love of God in its fullness. You know, we talk about the love of God. It's here, friends, in this verse. That God would leave the glory, his glory, the sinless Son of God, and will come down to this sin-cursed earth and die on a cross for you and for me. That is love. No other word to can better describe what that is. That is love in its fullness, the love of God. I was talking to a Muslim, not yesterday, but uh, on our last outreach, and uh, a Muslim once asked me, he said, why must the innocent son of God... Why must somebody who is innocent die for me who is guilty? If I'm the sinner, shouldn't I die for my sins? Why should somebody who is innocent take my punishment? In one way, I can see his, his logic. But you see, it's the love of God. The Bible says, friends, that we were without strength. There is nothing in you and in me that commends ourselves to God 
that can take away our sins. Romans 5 verse 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, Christ died for us. Wonderful. Isaiah 64 verse 6 tells us of our condition. And Isaiah says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There is nothing, friends, that can commend you before God. There's nothing. And unless Jesus Christ stands in your place, you are condemned because of sin. No matter how good you may think you are this morning. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the love of God. Wonderful. I wonder this morning, what are you trusting in for the forgiveness of sins? Are you trusting in your own righteousness? Are you trusting in the good deeds that you have done? And you may have done many, many good deeds. You may have done many good deeds and many, many Christians. But your good deeds are not enough to pay the price. The price is perfect blood. And only Jesus Christ shed that. We've been thinking about the incarnation this morning, how the two had to come together. The Son of Man to identify himself with, with, with humankind, but he's also the Son of God and he's perfect and he's the only one who is good enough to pay the price for sin. Those Old Testament sacrifices, as we're going to learn this morning, we're not good enough to, 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 take the sacrifice, to take the sin away. We know that because it was a continual sacrifice. It was a reminder that the sin was still there. It was only covered. But Jesus Christ takes it away. That's wonderful. Not only do we see the reason for the sacrifice here, but secondly, we see the Romanizing of the sacrifice. Look at verse 11. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. The letter to the Hebrews was written uh, shortly before the destruction of the second temple in about in 70 AD. And it seems that, this, that the sacrificial system even after the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, was continuing. And the priesthood was still there. And how could you describe the continuance, really, of these sacrifices? Basically, a waste of time. You know, <clears throat> if you go to Israel today, you go to the Temple Mount, and the, really the only thing that the Jewish people have today is a wall that they pray in front of. They don't have a sacrificial system. They don't have the Levitical priesthood. They don't have the lamb. They don't have the heifer. It's not there to sacrifice. There's no temple. The reason is, is because God has made it like that. I want us to see Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 6 to 9, that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the Old Testament prophecies of a new way, a new 
covenant. Verse 6 says, In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. This is speaking about the Lord Jesus. To do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So we see here, you have to be blind, really, to not see that the old is to pass away and that he's going to establish a new way, a new covenant, a new sacrifice for sins. Why is this outlined this morning? Why is it, why is it called the Romanizing of the sacrifice? Well, verse 11 gives us a clue. I believe that this verse could also apply to what the Roman Catholic priest has been doing for over 1,600 years. It says here, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Which sacrifice is this? Well, it's called the Mass. I don't know if you know, but the Mass is actually the central part of worship for a Roman Catholic. I don't know how many Roman Catholics there are around in the world today, probably around a billion. They're precious souls. God loves them, each and every one, like he loves you. But many of them are ignorant, and they need to hear the truth. And I want to just see here that the mass is heresy and that no person can ever be saved that believes and practices the Roman Catholic Mass. Let me just read you um, a few uh, quotations from the Catholic Catechism. And I just want you to, to hear it really from the horse's mouth because, you know, you may um, get different teachings from Roman Catholics. You may meet and they say, no, 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 we don't believe in trans we don't believe in this and that. You know, let's just see a couple of things that the Roman Catholic Church teach about the Mass. First one is, every time this mystery is celebrated, the work of our redemption is carried on. Another one says, and since in this divine sacrifice, which is celebrated in the Mass, the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross is contained and is offered in an unbloody manner. So we see here two important things. We see here that the Mass is the ongoing sacrifice of Jesus Christ without blood, whereby redemption is carried out. I want us to look at two scriptures this morning that will just nail this false teaching. And, you know, if you learn nothing else from this this morning, try and memorize these, these two scriptures because they'll stand you in good stead. The first one is Hebrews 9 and verse 22. And this is about the shedding of blood. We looked at this last Sunday night 
and I was trying to lay a foundation for this this morning, teaching uh, what the, the blood means for the Christian. And um, notice in 9 verse 22, <clears throat> it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Why does it say almost all things? Well, there are certain things in the law which were actually purged by water and purged by fire. Okay, we think about uh, the garments and, and, and the ceremonial washings that they had to go through, but sin had to be purged through the shedding of blood. We see that in our verse. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Remember that. There is no such thing as an unbloody sacrifice to take away sins. You'll never find it. It's a, it's a fable, it's heretical, it's blasphemy, it's damning, and people need to know the truth. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, Peter warned about false teachers and false prophets. They were around in his day, and he says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Can a person practice and believe the Mass at the same time as being a saved person? I don't believe they can. I believe we've just seen from Scripture here that those that, they, that deny the Lord that has bought them bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now, I know there are a lot of ignorant people, but the reality is, is that when we deny that the Lord has bought us, there's only one thing that's going to follow, and that's swift destruction. And this is my heart's desire this morning, is that when we meet... Roman Catholics, when we meet people that are believing this lie, we need to share the truth with them. Hebrews 9, verse 22, without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. You can do your mass all day, all year. It is going to account for absolutely nothing. It's a waste of time. Christ has done it already. He shed his blood. And he's done it for you and for me. He's done it for Roman Catholics. He's done it for Muslims all around the world. But they need to hear the truth. And they need to put their trust in him. There's a lot of ignorance around today amongst Christians that think that what we've been celebrating, uh, sorry, that think that the, that the mass that the Roman Catholics practice is just another form of the Lord's Supper. It's not. It's not. We've seen that this morning. Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There is no blood in the mass sacrifice. It's an unbloody sacrifice. We've seen that in their teachings this morning. What's the second text that exposes the, the mass as heresy? Well, this can be seen from verse 12 of, of our reading. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God. 
And the second text here teaches us that Christ offered himself once as a sacrifice, but never to be repeated. That's why we do this here this morning. We do it in remembrance of what he has done already. You know what I'm teaching here this morning? A few hundred years ago, I would have been, I would have been taken probably to Smithfield somewhere around London, and I would have been strung up to a post, and I would have been burned as a heretic. And you know that that's what most of these martyrs who died, hundreds of them, died because they did not and would not believe in transubstantiation, that the bread was turned into the literal body of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist when, when, when the, the, the priest held that bread up. And they would not accept that that was the sacrifice of Christ. And they were burned. Tyndale, Rogers, many of them, even people from Birmingham. Thirdly, the result of the sacrifice, it's finished. One time, the sins forever. Let's just have a look at a few verses from uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 we've just seen. Let's have a look at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of, of ourselves, as the manner of some is, but exhorting, sorry, chapter 9. Sorry about that. Verse 25. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. Verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Hebrews 10, verse 10, By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 12, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And in verse 14, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. We've been reading some verses here that make it very clear that there is no more sacrifice for sins. He's done it, and that is the result. Praise God that he did that for us. Praise God. What does that mean? What does the one sacrifice mean then for the Christian? Well, it basically means peace, and it means rest. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian here this morning, friend, you have peace with God. You are justified through faith in his blood. Remember Bill Jackson, evangelizing Catholics, dear brother, love Catholic people. And he saw them uh, just like he sees everybody else as precious souls that need to be one for the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the quote that he came out with. He said something like this. He said, when you're doing, you're not done. But when you're done, you're not doing. 
And that is so true. When you're doing, you're not done. But when you're done, you're not doing. And that is the good news here this morning, is that we don't need to do anything extra for the forgiveness of our sins. He's done it already on that cross. I wonder how is it with you this morning? Are you still doing? Or are you trusting the one who's done it already? How can we, how can we be sure that he has done it? Well, verse 12 goes on to say that he sat down on the right hand of God. I wonder, can you just see here the contrast between the earthly priest, which was Aaron, who was standing, and the high priest, Jesus Christ, who he sat down. You see, because the high priest was always standing, it signifies that this sacrifice was a continual, ongoing sacrifice. He couldn't sit down. Well, Jesus Christ can because it's finished. And that's the difference. Amen? That is the difference. That's wonderful. Not only that, but the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy in Psalm 110, verse 1, where it says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. And that's where the Lord Jesus Christ is right now. He's on the right hand of God. And that speaks of honor. It speaks of majesty. And it speaks of deity. Nobody can sit on the right hand of God but God. And he's there right now. Sitting down signifies a completed work. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. He said, it is finished. He didn't have to go to hell and face the fires of hell and suffer down there for the, for the forgiveness of our sins. He finished it on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. Wonderful. Just two questions this morning. If you're a non-Christian here, have you trusted Christ's finished work yet for salvation? If not, why not? Today is the day of salvation. The blood is available right now for you to receive forgiveness of sins. And secondly, if we are Christians, may we share with others this wonderful truth that we've been learning about here this morning and let's share it with lost people. Amen? Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your precious word to us this morning. Oh Lord, we do, our hearts do go out, dear Lord, to those, one billion Roman Catholics. And Lord, there are those in our congregation who know exactly where they are right now. And we just, just pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us to be able to witness to them and to share with them. Lord, even maybe just these two scriptures about the blood, and about the finality of Christ's sacrifice. Lord, we thank you this morning that we stand in Christ. We stand in your peace because of what Jesus has done for us. May we never treat it lightly and never forget it. Thank you in Jesus' name for reminding us this morning. Amen. Amen.